0: Are we on? Oh, good. Good morning. Sometimes our preaching schedule amuses me because the last time I preached, I had four sprawling chapters of text and today I have 25 verses. So it's, it's, the scale of things is different. If you have your Bibles, will you join me? We're gonna be reading from the first chapter of Luke from the very beginning. This is the second Sunday of Advent, so we're talking about the things leading up to the coming of the birth of our Lord. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the, we're in chapter 1, pardon me, getting ahead of myself. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he had stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said, In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. The word of the Lord. Well, I always like to talk about where we are in the story of the Lord every Sunday. And we we always talk about God's plan of redemption for creation and how he brought it about through the nation of Israel. And this is really coming to the culmination of God's plan of redemption for his people and for all of creation. In the beginning, we have this lovely introduction. Tradition tells us this this gospel was written by Luke. It matches well with Acts, and there's other internal evidence. So we have this, this introduction by Luke talking about why he had decided to write this. And he says, you know, this was handed down to us. And he said, other people have read, written accounts of this, but I'm writing a, an orderly account for you, Theophilus, so that you'll know with certainty about the things you've been taught. He wants to give him a more systematic introduction or story of the life of Christ and his work. One of the things that people often atheists will often criticize scripture for. Well, let's say, well, you know, the the earliest gospels weren't even written until 40 years after Christ died. You know, they could, anything could have, anything could have happened in that difference. And, you know, how can we be sure they're trustworthy? Well, one of the reasons for that was the early church really lived in the expectation that Christ's return was imminent. So they, they weren't really concerned with writing things down as much as they were with passing them on in church families and uh, attending to -to day-to-day things. That's why we'll actually get the letters of Paul coming before uh, the Gospels. The earliest letters of Paul are actually coming before the Gospels because the church is kind of fine-tuning how it does its business but everybody is still telling each other about the life of Christ. But what happens is as you get farther on people realize, okay, A lot of the early witnesses to this are passing on. Maybe we better write this down before all the eyewitnesses are gone. It's important that we write this testimony down while there are still living people that can can tell us about it or correct it if we're in error. And so that's why about AD 70 you begin to get this project of the Gospels being written down, with the earliest of them probably being Mark. Um, Mark was very probably written kind of as an in-house document for the church. It assumes a lot of things which the other Gospels will flesh out more. And Mark has this lovely habit, uh, as you might expect for a document for the church, of making the outsiders look good. The stories of faith are always people coming in from outside and kind of the, the bumbling fools that need extra correction are the disciples. So it's it's actually probably an in-church document, kind of bringing the church back and saying, hey, you know, we've always needed a little extra help. And so Luke is probably taking from Mark his structure and everything, and then he's fleshing it out with the things he's been told, things he's been told from Paul and things he's uh, gained from, from talking to other people. We do know there were other people in the church uh, doing the same thing at the time that don't make it into the Gospels. We have fragments of writings from other people from this period who were just collecting sayings about Christ, and they corroborate very well what we get in the, in the uh, Gospels. So even though these are written about starting about 40 years after the death of Christ, they're, they're based on firsthand testimony and written at a time when it was still possible to corroborate, corroborate that. But there is this little This little gap. So that's Luke. He's setting it out. He's saying, Theophilus, I'm writing this for your instructions that you may more perfectly understand what you've been taught. So that's, you knew you were going to get a little history lesson at least. It's par for the course. But then we get this story of the birth of John the Baptist. We have the story about the priest Zechariah. In addition to the high priests, the day-to-day function of the temple was carried out by different priests who were all from the tribe of Levi, from the family of Aaron. And the high priests would live in Jerusalem near the temple and have quarters there, but the rest, the other priests would live throughout Judea and they would only, they would come to Judah, to Jerusalem when it was their turn to serve, when their, their group of, of the priests was serving. So that's what we have here, Zechariah is coming. He's serving in the temple at his appointed time. The rest of the time, they would perform priestly duties in the villages where they lived. Things like uh, when Jesus heals a leper and tells him, go show yourself to the priest that he can declare you clean. He's not telling that guy to go to Jerusalem. He's telling him, just just go find your local priest and he can declare you uh, clean. So there were all sorts of jobs for a priest to do in the place where he was, aside from when he ministers in the temple. But at this time... He's in the temple. And we get this story that he's going in to minister at the altar of incense. The altar of incense was inside the temple. It was inside what technically is called the most holy place, but not not the holy of holies, but I'm sorry, the holy place. And it's right outside the curtain for the holy of holies. It's very close to it. And he's, he's burning incense there. And there was always this sense that as you drew close to the Lord, it was, it was, it was a, or drew close to the Holy of Holies and the presence of the Lord there, there was always this sense that there was a possibility of danger there. Uh, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he would have actually bells on his garment and a rope attached to him so that people could tell if he was still moving around alive or if he'd been struck dead. And if he was struck dead, they'd just haul the body out with the rope. Um, so it was a sense that this was a, a very, very powerful place. And he's, He's ministering in there, and an angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him that his wife is going to bear a son and tells him the role of the son. He's going to you know, walk in the power and anointing of Elijah to make ready the way for the Lord. It's powerful good news. But Zechariah says something. He says, well, I'm really old, and, and my wife's really old. And... Uh, you know he kind of doubts I'm just gonna make a small aside here your age no matter how few years you've been on the earth or how many years you've been on the earth really has nothing to do with what God can do through you one of my pet peeves is is a certain school of thinking in ministry that you know you, you you target the young yeah absolutely you target the young but you target everybody but it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's how you affect society. You never know who's going to affect society. If you're still alive, if you're still inhaling and exhaling, you have a call from the Lord and a mission from the Lord if you're one of his people. So right away, Zechariah going, well, I'm really old, and my wife's really old. It's got nothing to do with it. But because of this, the angel says, because you didn't believe my words, you're not going to speak till the child is born. This is really interesting because later on we're going to get the description of a very similar thing happening to Mary. An angel's going to come to her and say, hey, you're going to be with child. And she goes, well, how, how can this be? Because I'm, you know, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. You know, how can this be? And the angel deals much more kindly with her. And for a long time, people have tried to see, okay, what's, what's the difference here? You know, why, is John, why is John's father, Zechariah, struck dumb? dumb and and Mary isn't you know is she more virtuous what's what's the difference there and a lot of lot of really thoughtful scholars have commented on this and um, in, in the place of such such rigorous scholarship and such high-powered academic uh, credentials brought to bear on this it would be it would take a really brave uh, fool to offer their own interpretation of this luckily for you guys <laughs> I'm just the man for the job <laughs> um, and I, I think that boils down to this when an angel tells Mary that she's gonna be with child this is without precedent nobody's ever heard of a virgin giving birth before this is outside of the normal order of things the only time you're gonna get close to anything like this is when God creates Adam out of the dust. This is that level of creative miracle that's happening for her, so it's natural for her. But for Zechariah, who is a priest and presumably a a good Hebrew and versed in Hebrew culture, this is a pattern. If we go back to Genesis 21, we get God's promise to Abraham that Sarah will give birth, even though she's old and barren. And uh, we know Sarah laughs at that because it's so unheard of. That's the first time it happens. But Rachel, when, um, when uh, <laughs> Jacob uh, marries both Rachel and Leah, Leah's having a lot of kids and Rachel is not. And she's barren and she calls out to the Lord. And he, in his favor, opens her womb and she has children. In the book of Judges, Samson's mother couldn't have children and was bearing that shame in her family, and the God, op- God opened her womb, and she gave birth to Samson. At the beginning of Samuel, Hannah keeps coming to the Lord's tent at Shiloh, and uh, the, Eli, the priest, thinks she's drunk because she's always praying silently, and finally he talks to her, and she tells, tells him her problem that, you know, she's, she's one of two wives of this man and, and the other one gives him children, but she can't. And so she's always coming and praying and Eli tells her, go, you, you will have a child. And God takes away her dishonor and gives her Samuel. This is a pattern. So Zechariah should know this. He should know God's done this before. God's done this at least four times before that's recorded in our history. So I think that may be part of the difference. It's that, like, you really should know this. You should know this is kind of the way God deals with these things. So it's kind of interesting that Zechariah, even when confronted by an angel, still doubts that. And what, what would be behind that doubt? And I think what's behind that doubt has to do with the scope of the Bible. You know, back home, back back home, I've lived in New Hampshire 20 years now. I need to start saying home about here. Anyway, back when I lived in Texas, people used to talk about in Bible times. You know, you ever hear that phrase, people used to use that a lot, in Bible times? Well, that's a big stretch of time because the Bible goes from creation uh, and To the end of the book of Acts, you know, in about AD 64, somewhere around there. um, That's a big chunk of time. More more of the history of the world has been Bible time than has not been Bible time. So, So just because things happened in the Bible doesn't mean they're close proximity. So to Zechariah, he would have known these stories. But it's been a really long time. He would know about God calling Abraham and Sarah and opening Sarah's womb. But that's like almost 1,800 years ago. And he would know the stories about God and what God had had done, how he had made his family, how he had made them a great nation in Egypt and brought them out. But man, it's been 1,400 years since the Exodus. He would know about Samson's mom but it's been 1200 years since the time of the judges he would know the story of Samuel's mom and how he anointed the first two kings of Israel Saul and David but it's been a thousand years since David it's been a long time Israel has failed to live up to its its promise to God it's gone into exile it's come back from exile but that was 500 years ago God spoke to the nation through his prophets but it's been over 400 years since the last prophet that's recorded spoke and so I think Zechariah knows this but it's been a long time and when it's been a long time and you're still being faithful he is serving at the altar of the Lord as a priest but it's been a long time, and when you've been serving that long time, you can begin to get kind of fossilized. You're just holding on to what you have, and you're going through those patterns, and you're, you're trying not to, to give up any more ground because it, it's, it's been a long time, God. They, Israel's come back from exile, but they've never had a king from the line of David on their throne again. And they had a brief period of independence under the uh, Maccabees, the Hasmonean dynasty, but then uh, first they were first under one foreign power, the, the Edomites, although at this point they're uh, called I- Idomians, um, but, but Herod's, Herod's people. And then they're going to be under the Romans. They haven't come back from exile fully, and it's been a long time. Standing before the, still standing before the Lord, still ministering in the temple. But it's been so long that I think Zechariah's vision of, of what God could do or what God would do has, has kind of grown small. He's kind of accepted a smaller box for the creator of the universe. So much so that when an angel of the Lord appears to him, he still can't believe he has that long story so deep inside of him, soaked so deep into his bones that even an angel of the Lord standing before him, it's, it's almost too, too good to believe. But luckily, that doesn't stop God from moving. And God's plans aren't thwarted. And Zechariah is... He's all of us. Because sometimes in this life, it's been a long time. If we just look at it as believers, if we look at the times around us, they can seem really dark. I mean, we're not under foreign occupation, but it seems like people are angrier now, that kindness has gone out of the world, that warmth has gone out of the world. Even if you look at the church, if you look at, the people that are supposed to be announcing that good news of Christ. We've grown cold. We've grown bitter. We're known for being combative and angry. It's, it's been a long time. As Christians, we live in this period between the first appearing of our Lord, which is what we're celebrating at this season, and his second coming. So we live in that already and not yet, and it's been a long time. And for some of us, if you've been a Christian for a really long time, I've now been a Christian for almost 30 years, which some have been Christian far longer than that, but, it's, you know, it's been a long time since that first love. And you can be thinking, okay, God, it's been a long time. What's going on? But that doesn't stop God. God. And even though he doubts, Zechariah is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's serving before the Lord. So for ourselves, in our lives, it's it's been a long time. What do we do? Well, we do what Zechariah did. We keep serving the Lord. Jesus gives this wonderful parable in Luke chapter 12 verse 42 he says who then is the faithful and wise manager who the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time it will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns truly I tell you he will put him in charge of all his possessions but suppose that servant says to himself my master is taking a long time in coming and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he is not aware of. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does it, then who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does know and does things deserving punishment will be but the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment will be beaten with few blows from everyone who has been given much much will be demanded and from the one who has been entrusted with much much more will be asked will we know what we're supposed to do so as long as we're faithful and we're still doing it no matter how long it takes we'll be ready when the lord comes back Lord told us, go out, make disciples of all nations. He also told us, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbors as yourself. If we're walking those things out, even though it's been a really long time, God is coming back. The fact that it's been a long time does not invalidate God's promises. And it'll be good for the servants that He finds doing his will when he comes back.